Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, celebrating 50 years of sharing God's unconditional love and grace. Welcome to the Gospel Truth broadcast. Welcome to a very special edition of the Gospel Truth. Don't limit God. He wants you to have an abundant life. God isn't angry at us anymore. The war is over. And I know that there's many of you who love God, but I tell you, there's a better way to pray. Everything that Jesus came to do, the power for it is released through the gospel, the good news, the nearly too good to be true news. Welcome to our Tuesday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today is my last week to be teaching on who told you that you were naked. We've already covered a lot of material. And yesterday, I kind of went back and summarized some of the things that I've said, and I spent the entire program summarizing, but it was really good. I tell you, this, the, the things that I said on our program yesterday and throughout this entire teaching, this is really good about how it is not God who is condemning you, and it's not even the devil. It's your own conscience. It's our conscience that accuses us or excuses us. Romans chapter 2, verse 15. And the subtitle of this book on who told you that you were naked, it says, A Study of the Conscience. And one of the points I've been trying to get across is that people think that God is the one who makes them feel guilty and shame. This is exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. When they sinned, they went and hid themselves. They sewed fig leaves together. God called their name, said, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, I was afraid and I hid myself because I was naked. And God said, who told you that you were naked? God didn't tell them or he wouldn't have asked that question. It wasn't the devil that told them. It was that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's where they got their conscience. And it was their conscience that condemned them and made them miserable before God. And even though that is not a pleasant experience, did you know it is a necessary experience that we recognize our sins separated us from God and that we can't save ourselves by our own self-righteousness. We need a Savior. So there was a godly reason for a conscience. I believe this is the reason that God made the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that if they ate of that tree, that that's what would separate them from God. Because if they sinned, well, then they needed that conscience. Before they sinned, they didn't need a conscience because they hadn't violated anything. They didn't need this sense of guilt and shame. But the Lord made it that if they sinned, they would immediately receive that conscience, this knowledge of right and wrong. But your conscience isn't a perfect guide. It can be corrupted. It says in First. Timothy chapter 4, that we can sear our conscience. People can live in sin and persist. And because of, you know, we see this in our society today that th things that were right and wrong a generation ago, such as, you know, there were people that were homosexuals. There was people that committed adultery. There was people that did these things, say, 50, 60, 70 years ago. But society didn't embrace it. But because society has changed and they've become progressive and liberal and now they are promoting homosexual marriage and people are just shacking up with each other. They don't even feel that there's any need for them to be married at all. And the, and the attitude of society has changed. There are people now that are growing up and this is their standard. They don't know right and wrong. They don't know that it is damaging and that it's destroying. 
Man, I, there's so much I could say about that. But anyway, the point I'm making is that society changes. Morals change based on what's happening in society, but God doesn't change. God's morality isn't relative. And the conscience is given to us. And on, on a heart level, people know that it's wrong. And when the law came, the law made sin come alive is what it says in Romans chapter 17. It made that sin nature, it just, it exposed it. It stripped it naked. It took away any deception that these people had about right and wrong. And there is a purpose for that. We need to recognize our sin so that we can turn from self-righteousness and thinking that somehow or another we deserve the things of God and we can receive from God through mercy. But once you come and once you make Jesus your Lord, this conscience does not give you good things. It doesn't, it doesn't encourage you and say, hey, you did 95 out of 100 things right last time. It was 90. You're doing better. Your conscience will never encourage you and help you. It just condemns you. That was the purpose of the conscience was to show you what's wrong. It'll never issue you a compliment. And once you come to the Lord and once you get born again, then you have to purge your conscience from dead works. Let me take this verse. I've already used this in Hebrews chapter 9 and in verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now again, the conscience had a purpose and especially for a lost man, it showed them that they needed a savior, that they couldn't save themselves. This guilt and condemnation, even though it was unpleasant, it served a purpose. But once you come to the Lord, you have to purge your conscience from dead works. You have to purge your conscience from this mindset that you got to do good in order to get good. And that if you do bad, which all of us do, all of us make mistakes. Your conscience will just condemn you and make you feel unworthy and think, why could God ever use me? How could God ever love me? Why would God ever answer my prayer? That's not the God, that's not the Holy Spirit that's telling you that. It's not even the devil that's telling you that. It's a conscience that has been defiled. And for those of us who are Christians and we have gone to church, the church <clears throat> is still preaching the Old Testament standard of law, way too much. They haven't understood the new covenant of grace and they basically are preaching the law that in order to get God to answer your prayers, you got to do this, 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 and this. And it activates his conscience. And there are many Christians who are living under a sense of guilt, unworthiness, and condemnation, thinking that that's God, thinking that it's a godly thing, and it's not God doing it. It's not even the devil doing it. It's your own conscience and you have to learn to purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Let me use another scripture that I've already talked about. Hebrews chapter 10, it says in verse uh, 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Again, to enter into the Holy of Holies, this is talking about to enter into the intimacy and the close communion with God. You need to have your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. 
And it says you have to come in with full assurance of faith. There are people watching this program that you have prayed, you've asked Jesus to be your Lord, you believe your sins are forgiven. If you were to die, you believe you're going to heaven, but you are not having the full assurance. You do not have the confidence that you should have because of what Jesus has done for you. And the reason you don't is because your own conscience is condemning you and you just think that this is God, the Holy Spirit, showing you that you're wrong. And it's not God, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's your conscience. Your conscience has to be reprogrammed. It has to be reset. Once you get born again, things have changed. And you now relate to God spirit to spirit. John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit. And God is looking at you in the spirit and in the spirit you're perfect. God is not imputing your sin unto you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. He is not holding your transgressions against you. He is completely reconciled unto you. There is no condemnation. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. God is not mad at you. He's not even in a bad mood. God is a spirit. He's seeing you in the spirit. And in the spirit, you're perfect. In your physical body, in your actions, and in your soul, your mind and your emotions, you may not be perfect. You may have all kinds of weirdness and problems and things, but in your spirit, you're perfect and God sees you in the spirit. God loves you and he is not condemning you. There is zero condemnation. Let me just read these verses again. I've talked about this, but in Romans chapter 8 and in verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now again, this verse has been mistaught and people will say there's no condemnation as long as you're walking in the Spirit and not walking in the flesh. What this is meaning is that if you are in the flesh, if you are walking in the flesh, if you aren't obeying the Word, if you are doing your own thing, yes, there is condemnation, but it's not from God. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say that you take what I'm saying right here and you understand that God is not imputing sin unto you, that He's not condemning you, that this sense of guilt and condemnation and your, your uh, shame and, and unworthiness is not from God. And if you take that and say, well, man, God loves me regardless of what I do. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to just speed, ignore the speed limit and just do what I want to do. Did you know God is not going to condemn you? God will not tell you, you sorry thing. God will not say anything bad to you, but there will be condemnation. You will either get stopped and you will get a ticket or you could speed and hurt yourself or hurt somebody else. You could go out and rob a bank and say, well, man, uh, God loves me and there is no condemnation. And so I'm just going to go do whatever I want and I need money. I'm going to go rob a bank. Well, God still loves you. And the whole time that you are rotting in your cell in prison for your bank robbery, God can love you. You could have a great relationship with God sitting in that cell, but there's still consequences. There is condemnation if you aren't walking in the spirit. If you are living after the flesh, if you are doing your own thing, there is condemnation, but it is not from God. So some Christians have said, well, this is God doesn't condemn you as long as you are living holy, as long as you're walking in the spirit. No, that's not what this is saying. Even if you were in the flesh, God is not going to condemn you. 
I used this yesterday, but over here in Romans chapter 8 and in verse 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, that is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So this right here says, where does this condemnation come from? It's not from Christ. He's the one that died for you and paid all of your sins, and now he's risen again. God is not condemning you, but there is condemnation. There are consequences, negative consequences, if you go out and live in sin. But Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. What that's talking about is that if you sin, you get death instead of life. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. And if you go live in sin, you're going to die. You're going to be punished. The law of the spirit of life made you free from that. God is not going to punish you if you live in sin. God is not judging you. Once you accept salvation, your sins, past, present, and even future sins have been paid for. God is not condemning you. Does that mean that you just are free to go live in sin? It means God's not going to condemn you, but there will be condemnation from the society that we live in, from the consequences of it. You go out here and live in uh, sexual immorality, I guarantee you, you're going to get sexually transmitted diseases. You're going to open yourself up to people disliking you, the, the mate of the person you commit adultery with. You're going to ruin your family, your children. Uh, on and on you could go. There still is condemnation, but it's not coming from God. God is not condemning you. He sets you free from the law of sin and death. But does that mean that you go live in sin? Absolutely not. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. In the flesh of who? In the flesh of his son. Jesus took your punishment and my punishment. It's not that God just all of a sudden says, oh, you know what? I'm going to quit judging sin. Sin from now on is not a big deal. You can live any way you want to. No, that's not what he did. He punished sin. He punished his son. He put all of his wrath. John chapter 12, verse 32, that all of God's wrath came upon Jesus for the sins past, the sins present, and all of the sins that will ever be committed. Jesus suffered in agony and he paid the price. And so God condemns sin in the flesh of Jesus. It's not like he just turned the other way and says, well, sin's no longer a big deal. No, sin is a big deal, but it has been paid for. The price that was paid for your sin and for my sin is infinitely greater than the debt that was owed. One drop of Jesus' blood. He was so holy. He was so pure that one drop of his blood was holier and it weighed more. It was a greater payment than the sins of the entire world. And he didn't just shed one drop. He shed his entire life. He gave his entire life. And what he paid was more than what the debt uh, demanded. And so because of that, he judged sin in the flesh of Jesus. And verse 4 says that here's the results of it, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Through Christ, 
My born again spirit is now as righteous and holy and pure as Jesus is. And I know that that just rubs some people the wrong way because again, you're looking at me on the outside and you're thinking, so you're saying your actions that you're as holy as Jesus, that your thoughts are as pure as Jesus. No, not my flesh, but my spirit, the born again part of me was created in righteousness and true holiness, Ephesians 4, 24. I was created that way. I, I didn't deserve it. I'm not living a perfect, pure, holy life on my own, but in my spirit, I am now the righteousness of God. The righteousness of the law is perfect in my spirit because that spirit came from God and it was created in righteousness and true holiness and then it was sealed with the Holy Spirit. Man, the things that I'm saying, this is how you purge your conscience. This is how you get over this guilt and condemnation is to find out that it is in the spirit that you are made righteous with God, that God is a spirit, John 4, 24, and he is looking at you in the spirit. And if you have been born again, you are now righteous and holy. And you have to take, like it says in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, you have to take this blood of Jesus, the sacrifice that he made for you, and purge your conscience from dead works. Your conscience was not a part of God's original creation. It came when man ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It served to function to condemn us and to show us our need for God. But once you come to Jesus and get born again, then your conscience can be a very detrimental thing if you don't purge it with the blood of Jesus and show it that you have now been forgiven. If you aren't walking in the spirit, if you are walking in the flesh and just going by your own feelings and your own mind and emotion, then you will live a condemned life. And brothers and sisters, this is where most of the people that I minister to are. You know, the people that come to my meetings, I go in and ho I hold these meetings during the week in a hotel. I don't go to churches a lot. I used to, but I, we outgrew most of the churches. And so I hold these independent meetings and people come to my meetings. It's not the nod to God Sunday morning crowd. These are the fanatics. These are the people who are looking for something more. They aren't just, you know, putting in their card and getting it punched to show that they went to church so they could soothe their conscience. These are people that are seeking God. They know that there's more. They believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They believe in miracles. That's the reason they come. We see great miracles. I just saw a person that was totally blind in one eye, healed, and I mean instantly able to see the people on the front row tell us what they were wearing. And it was awesome. And they come and they believe these things. That's the reason they come out on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday when it's not your normal church day. They believe it. But the vast majority of the people who come, they believe God can do it, but they don't have confidence that He will do it for them. They come looking to me, thinking that somehow or another, you know, God hasn't answered their prayers, but maybe He will answer my prayers. And it really comes down to what I'm talking about right here, their conscience. They're condemned. They think that somehow or another, God will answer my prayers more than He'll answer their prayers. They look at a person who's on television and think, well, boy, you must be holy or you must have something special. Anybody can be on television if you pay the bills. You can be on at least for 60 days until the bills come due. Just because a person's on television does not mean that somehow or another they're living this exemplary life. 
If you would look at the people who've fallen, the people who, you know, behind the scenes had found out that they were having sexual uh, relationships that were ungodly, that they were stealing money, that they were doing all of these things. I guarantee you, just because a person is on television doesn't mean that they've got it all together. But somehow or another, people think that and they come thinking that God's going to answer my prayers. And it comes down to their conscience. The reason they have more faith in my prayers than they have in their prayers is because they don't know me as well as they know them. If you knew me as well as you know you, you wouldn't have any more faith in my prayers than you've got in your prayers. You know what? I'd do some stupid stuff. If I, if I would allow it, my conscience would condemn me. My conscience would keep me from standing there and speaking boldly. But I have taken the blood of Jesus. I've taken these truths that I'm sharing with you and I have purged my conscience from dead works so that I can serve the living God. And I firmly believe that when I pray in the name of Jesus, it's going to work. And I don't have any more pull with God than you do or anybody else. The only difference is that I have taken the Word of God and purged my conscience. I've assured my heart. And now I have a confidence and a boldness as, as it says about uh, Abraham, he was fully persuaded. I have persuaded myself. I have convinced myself through the Word of God. And many of the people who come to my meetings haven't done that. And that's really the only difference. It's not that somehow or another God has given ministers greater access to Him than, than the average run-of-the-mill Christian. That's not so. All of us, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Nobody is closer to God. Nobody has a step up on somebody else. It's all available to you. The difference is that your conscience has condemned you and you may be thinking that it's God. The Holy Spirit's the one who's making you feel miserable. Or you blame the devil and say, the devil's condemning me. The truth is it's your conscience and God isn't going to fix your conscience automatically. The devil is certainly not going to help you get over your conscience condemning you. It will fan the flames and make it even worse. You are going to have to learn these truths and you are going to have to learn how to assure your hearts before God. I'm going to get into these verses tomorrow out of 1 John chapter 3 where it says that we have to assure our hearts because if our heart condemns us when God isn't the one condemning us, well, then it's not God. We have, to, we have to build our confidence up. I'm going to get into these verses and show this to you. But I'm telling you, the things I'm saying are so powerful. If you could understand where this condemnation is coming from, it's not coming from God. Religion has basically blamed God for that sense of unworthiness. And at one time, God did use the law to make you feel unworthy and ungodly because you needed to recognize you needed a Savior. But once you come to Christ and once you get born again, you have to purge your conscience from that dead works. You have to get over this guilt and condemnation and quit believing that it's God making you feel this way. Quit believing that it's the devil. It's your conscience that has been defiled and you have to exercise your own conscience to be renewed in the things that Jesus has done for you. I tell you, those are powerful statements. This book entitled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? It's a brand new book. It's the first time I've offered it. And we're going to, uh, this coming Friday will be my last day to offer it over television. So please listen as our announcer gives you some information. It's a study on the conscience. I also have CDs 
and DVDs. The CDs were made from a live meeting. The DVDs were made from television. Our announcer will give you all of this information. Remember, Friday is our last day to offer this product. And so please call her right today and join me again tomorrow as we continue the gospel truth. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the gospel truth. Andrew would like to extend a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible for us to broadcast this message consistently all around the world. Because of your contributions, we've been able to put free ministry materials into the hands of millions in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's teaching, which was taken from Andrew's brand new series titled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? Let me mention once again that I've got a brand new book entitled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? This is actually a study in the conscience. It wasn't God that told Adam he was naked. It wasn't the devil. It was his conscience, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I not only have the book, but I have CDs, and I also have DVDs that were taken from our television program. And I tell you, this teaching would really, really help you to have a confidence and an assurance and a boldness with God. So listen to our announcer as he gives you information how you can receive this product. Andrew's teaching titled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? is available in a four-part CD album or in a DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. You can also get this teaching in book form. The teaching highlighted in today's series is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111. If the lines are busy, remember you can order ministry materials or become a Grace Partner 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at awmi.net. Our lives were turned right side up when we came to an Andrew Womack event back in 2006. Our daughter Hannah was just given two weeks to live, but at that conference she was prayed for and praise God she was miraculously healed and she's 100% well to this day. Since Hannah was healed, we found that there have been many people that have been healed at Andrew's events. It's not a question of will he heal you, he's already healed you. I mean, Andrew just gives it to you like it is. And every time I leave one of these conferences, I am changed for the better. Every single time there is a revelation that he shares with us that God has given him that I make sure I make it my own. When you attend a Gospel Truth Conference, you're going to be inspired by powerful praise and worship with Charlie and Jill LeBlanc and Andrew teaching the life-changing Word of God. There are prayer ministers there as well. Join Andrew and special guests at a Gospel Truth Conference near you. Go to awmi.net slash conferences for more information. Want to dive deeper into the Word, but your busy schedule robs you of that opportunity? Now you can listen to the Gospel Truth wherever you go with the Gospel Truth radio app. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we are broadcasting the gospel, not only our individual television programs, but we've got conferences on there and it's great. No matter how your time is divided up each day, now you can plug into the gospel truth 24-7 at your convenience. It's a great way to stay connected in a world that demands so much of your time. 
Tap the app and start listening to Gospel Truth Radio. Go to the App Store and type in Gospel Truth Radio and download it to your smartphone. I want to let you know that we are doing what we call a live Bible study every Tuesday night at 6 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. We are broadcasting from our facilities here in Woodland Park, and we are just sharing the Word. I teach for about 25 to 30 minutes, and it's actually live. You can text in your questions. You can call and ask for prayer. You can get product, but we will answer as many of your questions as we can, about 25, 30 minutes worth of teaching and maybe 25 minutes worth of answering questions. It's just a great interactive thing every Tuesday night 6 o'clock p.m. Mountain Standard Time.